The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Hey there, and welcome back to the Sacred Changemakers podcast, where we bring you insightful conversations that spark deep transformation and inspire positive change. In today's episode titled Cosmic Compass 2024, Astrology and Chinese Wood Dragon Insights, we're joined by the remarkable Davina McHale as she shares her profound wisdom and unique perspectives on the pivotal year of 2024 through the lens of astrology and Chinese wood dragon symbolism. Now, Davina is a wisdom walker. She is in dialogue with nature. Hay House author of Feng Shui Made Easy and The Dream Whisperer. She's a shamanic elder, mentor and teacher, Feng Shui maestra, and Davina inspires miracles of positive transformation in people's lives from the application of Feng Shui and shamanic principles. She is a popular workshop leader and speaker and offers her infamous Wisdom That Works shamanic consultations to thousands of clients all over the world. She recently returned to the UK after living deep in the Peruvian Amazon, caretaking 47 hectares of rainforest. Now, in today's conversation, we covered a lot of ground, looking through these lenses of astrology and feng shui and what 2024 has in store for us energetically. We explore the themes that are alive for many change makers, those of societal transformation, relationships in the relational field and personal responsibility, as Davina invites us to enter into our own thought-provoking narrative to consider our individual responsibility in creating a more collaborative, purpose-driven future. So why not join us and listen into the full episode as we embark on a journey of self-discovery, resilience, and the courageous pursuit of positive change for the benefit, not just for us that are here alive on the world today, but for generations to come. Because as you will hear, it's all coming our way in 2024. So it is my pleasure to introduce you to Davina McHale. Hey, Davina, welcome to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I'm delighted to be here and thank you so much for inviting me, Jane. It's a good day. It's it in is. bulk in the UK, so we're just coming into <laughs> oh, spring. Oh, oh, when you say that, I can just feel my heart mm. thawing because it's freezing mm. here in, in Ohio, but they're saying that it's going to be warmer next week, so I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, so um, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. And, you know, we haven't known each other for that long, but we've had some vibrant and very insightful conversations in the short time I've known you. So I'm really looking forward to sharing you with our audience but, you know, they've just heard your professional bio. And I'd love to start really by going beneath the surface of that a little bit and finding out a little bit about that real life human that lives beneath that professional bio. Who's she? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I don't. <laughs> she lives very <laughs> deeply beneath that bio, I think. Um, I yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one because I can share a lot about that. I'm an adventurer, an adventurer of the human soul, if you like. I I'm really curious and interested about what we're doing here and what it means to be human and and everything to do with that and i feel that was informed i actually spent a lot of my very young childhood i grew up in a psychogeriatric old people's home run by my grandparents and my great aunt i mean it was a proper one flew over the cuckoo's nest environment <laughs> um i saw you know i used to do the breakfast with my granddad from when i was five years old so saw dead bodies before i ever knew really what a dead body was or had any concept of that and i can remember at a very young age thinking there has to be a better way to die than this and that really i know that sounds like but that's kind of i mean i didn't know i didn't sort of plan it but everything i've kind of done subsequently i with hindsight can look back and think oh it was all informed by that question mm. and really coming back to that so you know that really has taken me to the sort of foothills of the himalayas and deep into the peruvian jungle where i've lived in the amazon for the last two and a half years during the pandemic and depths of plant medicines and shamanism and all of those wonderful tools that really help us get to know our soul in great depth mm, i love that so let me ask you what have you learned then along the way what have i learned <laughs> i've learned that quite a lot <laughs> i've learned that we really do need to walk with death as our advisor because we tend to want to always project it into the future particularly in western um mindset because it's like it's something we don't talk about we hide it very few people have ever seen a dead body to be honest mm. unless you know they happen to work in the um health professions or something of that nature and so we don't really deal with it we don't even consider it and then suddenly it's upon us mm. in some form or another so i feel you know it's we need to live with it by our side as an informant, not as a morbid preoccupation, but as a way to really engage with life. Because if you have that kind of ideology and it's like, yeah, it could happen in the next minute. So what am I going to do with this minute? Because the present, as you know, is the only moment we have. And it helps us live more excitingly better. And it also, what I think it does, it gives us great courage. Because if we can always project into a future that hasn't happened yet, we don't have to do anything today. We can sit back and kick our heels back and watch another Netflix series or binge on something else or you know, escape into some realm of fantasy. But when it's like, this could be my last moment, what am I going to do with it? I think we have a different attitude. And so that's one thing. And the other thing that the Amazon in particular taught me because you are so deeply engrossed in nature. I mean, it's I never, and by the way, I never ever wanted to go to the Amazon, right? Because I actually do not like creepy crawlies. I'm a mountain shaman. I like the big open consciousness of the high Andes of Peru. There's no creepy crawlies up there. It's wonderful. Can lie and enjoy the whole of nature. And it's just like, but life always, you know, if you never say never to the universe, that's a top tip. <laughs> <laughs> because you can guarantee, say never to the universe, it's going to come and bite your butt and you will be facing whatever you've just said. No, not that, please, anything but that. So there I was fully immersed in all of it. And but what it teaches is that it's nature is truly the technology of love. And it's hard to 
articulate exactly what I mean by that without actually living it and seeing it, but you can almost hear how the technology of love creates nature, or that is the primal animating essence of the universe. And it really is that cyclical nature of the eternity that really comes from the life, death, rebirth cycle. Everything is eating everything else. Everything is dying and also rebirthing itself in the same moment. And it is just like this, this delicious technology of love that creates manifested forms from the primordial soup of the universe, if you like. Mm. So, yeah, those are some of the more interesting lessons. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's interesting you talk about uh, the Andes and Peru and the rainforest and things and what it taught you, because, and I've never heard, you know, it's it kind of nature described in the way of a technology of love. And mm. now you've said it, I'm still integrating from my own very small journey in Ecuador, but um, it makes sense, as you say, it really resonates because mm -hmm. for me, I don't know, it was the, I, I was in tears as I, went into the rainforest for the first time and and I think it was because of the noise of nature the yeah. amount of life around me I had never experienced in my entire life and and for the first time I felt like I belonged and so that's why this this metaphor you're using of the technology of love feels so right for me because I felt held and I felt like I belonged not just to myself but to the web of life to the whole of mm. world, if you like, to every living thing. It was, it was just like, oh, this is what it it's meant to feel like, this life thing. And then coming back out, I just sobbed because so much concrete, so much stuff mm. that what have we done kind of thing I know. to our I relationship know. with life. So I love that you're bringing this kind of, I know, I just love the technology of love kind of reference. It, it, it feels it is really because right. Yeah, because when you're in it, you get it, and it yeah. is through the noise. And it's, it's, that, that's always the other. <laughs> this is always another one of those myths that we get this peace in nature. That's yeah. all very well until you go to the Amazon and you go deep in the jungle. Where's the peace? <laughs> yeah. It never shuts up. <laughs> Maybe two or three in the afternoon in the real stultifying yeah, humidity yeah. it might calm down a little bit but at night it really wakes up <laughs> yeah it really wakes up and you know I don't know why I'm going to say this but I my favorite noise in the Amazon was this bird because there was like the cicadas and the insects and the frogs and the monkeys and all the different bird songs and there was this one bird and every time I heard it like this bird was always present and it just had one note and it would just go and you could hear it oh, through all I the other stuff. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about the aura pendula because I love that bird, which you have heard. It's, it has a it, it has more than one note though, and it sounds like a drop of water. Oh, it, I, I can't say it, but it's and but we had a colony of them moved in um, to near our <laughs> huts, right? Which slightly um, altered the frequency of every morning because they wake up pretty early, right. and literally when they were teaching their babies obviously they had a whole complex language and all these and it just sound again it sounded what was fascinating it sounded really technical mm -hmm. that it's like this is what i use that word technology because when you really listen deep mm -hmm. in it is a technology mm -hmm. and even through the sounds it's like my god this this language is incredibly yeah. complex and precise and it was like <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it really was kind of like sort of like it's like wow and it was like coming out it's like being in a star wars movie and i'm like okay this is nature <laughs> yes it totally is oh my gosh it's amazing well our title for today's conversation is cosmic mm. compass compass 2024 so we're really going to dive into the astrology and the chinese wood dragon insights so you know, here we are talking about Andes and, you know, the rainforest. And and in many ways, I guess we're privileged in the West to have actually visited there, you and I. Yes. And a lot of people that are listening won't have visited. So I'm hoping that we can kind of bring this conversation into relationship with, you know, what our sacred change makers need to understand and, and what's important for them to know as we move into 2024. Well, it, it's so big, this particular moment in history for us um, that are alive in this particular uh, right now, basically. And this year particularly seeds three big cycles of change. So, I mean, we've been through a lot and it's been very messy for all of us globally in the last three, four years. And I think we're all ricocheting from that a little bit. And we're a bit like in the ping pong sort of um, football, you know, table football sort of being pinged <laughs> about, not quite sure where we are or where we land. And what I do see is the energies of this year in particular are going to seed great change. Now, of course, these big cycles of change do not happen overnight, and it will take time for these to really bed in. But the wood dragon itself is a mythological, magical creature. And one of these, because in Chinese astrology, there's 12 animals and five elements. So you only get one, five, 12 or 60. So you only get a wood dragon once every 60 years. Mm -hmm. And I like looking back at the historical references because this is where I think you can get real proof, if you like, of astrology. So if we look back at the last wood dragon year, 1964, we can see resonances of where we're at today. So that seeded, that was the height of the Beatles, for example, and that whole peace and love and LSD and let's all, you know, tune in and tune out. And that's, there will be a big ideological shift that gets seeded this year. I mean, I hope it will be sort of similar, <laughs> but different, or there's some aspect, because at the moment it feels pretty dark, um, but it's going to be more of a technological revolution and where we may find this goes because of the other cycles of change because the other big cycle that's coming in is pluto has just moved into aquarius out of capricorn and aquarius we talk about the new age of aquarius and things like that but aquarius rules technology uranus mm. the planet of aquarius is all about um lightning flashes surprising changes sudden you know electrical light bulb moments of inspiration and things like that, but also very much coming from outer planet. So again, mythical dragon bringing in messages from outside. It doesn't exist on our earth on some level, although there's a lot of historical resonance in mythological um, stories to suggest that maybe the dinosaurs were actually dragons and that oh. these were the guardians of the earth, didn't you? Because the word dinosaur only came into being in the 1800s. And so, there, and we have in like, if I'm a geomancer as amongst other things, which is working with earth energies and in geomancy, we talk about earth dragons and we talk about sky dragons and we talk about water dragons. And of course, dragons breathe fire. So they are a mythological creature that actually incorporates all of the elements of life, those fundamental four building blocks of life. So there's something in that, that it's bringing in a divine new message. It's like it's where we need to ride the back of the dragon into 2024, because frankly, let's look around. We need a new 
ideology. We need some new social systems that actually start to work for us rather than work for all of us. Mm. Right. As the saying goes, there's enough for everybody's need, not anyone's greed. Um, and this is so true. And it, I just think that squeezing of um, the people with, you know, a few sort of very privileged ones at the top is becoming unsustainable. It's becoming undemocratic. It's becoming just not very healthy for any of us. So the dragon is going to roar in. So that's one cycle that's changing. Then we get Pluto, which is the great transformer. And Pluto is the planet of death, rebirth, that we talked about sort of from right from the beginning of this conversation. And Pluto digs into any sign that it transits through and it really brings to the surface corruption. And it's just been 20 years in Capricorn. Now Capricorn rules um, hierarchy, banking, structure, career, work, all of those sort of that. And we can see, look at all the corruption that has been revealed in the last 20 years. It began with the banking crisis. It's like subprime mortgages immediately came to the surface and blew themselves up right at the beginning of Pluto moving into Capricorn. So now what we are going to see with it moving into Aquarius, and we got a hint of this because it moved over into zero degrees of Aquarius between March and June last year. And then we saw the proliferation of AI um, and a lot of like I think Elon Musk's letter about this is a really dangerous thing that he got mm. everybody to sign about that the um, owner of chat GPT resigned thinking oh my god I've unleashed a monster on the world maybe I need to rein that in a bit and so we can see where it's kind of going we've got a hint of it and now we are fully into that so but it's up to us this is the thing that is really happening in these cycles and of course We've got all of these elements fueling each other. So the other big cycle that comes in is the feng shui cycle. Now, in there's something called flying stars in feng shui, which is like the astrology of feng shui. It's all to do with our environment, home is metaphor of the self, and harmonizing things. But there is also a timing aspect to it. And this is also a 20-year change, where we've been in an eight-year, which very much fits with that earth-grounded, structural, hierarchical banking system. And now we're moving into a period nine, which is fire fame, fortune, and firing of really, if I was to sum up the shift in a sentence, it would be, we are moving to an ideology of purpose over profit. Oh, yay. <laughs> you know, yeah, but yeah, you say yay, Jane, but it isn't just going to be handed <laughs> no, to I us know. on a plate. <laughs> You know, I and know. this is no, but I think people think this. I think, right. I, you know, because we have been dumbed down, let's face it. We've been, you know, oh, it's easy. And it, we, we've become infantilized, I think, to a degree. Mm. Not everybody, of course, but there is a lot of infantilism of almost we are just children and we expect you know oh, governments will sort it out for us right. doctors will sort it out for us we don't have to take responsibility i'll go and take a pill or i'll just pay my tax and they'll deal with it you know and really the ideological shift is what does it mean to be human and what are we going to do about it yeah what do we we have to every one of us the changes will only happen if each and every one of us makes that change internally and goes actually what do i want what what do i what am i here for what's my purpose what and am i doing saying, you're saying something that's really important because of course the purpose conversation has been alive in the sacred change makers world for sure. you know probably about a decade right and so when i say yay i'm saying it because in many ways we've been fighting against the tide of 
profit in many ways mm. and and this idea that oh no I don't have time to think about a deeper purpose or the impact positive or negative that my business or my organization or my leadership is having because we're we're so like hyper focused on the individual we're hyper focused on stakeholders and profit and what I'm wondering because you know when I think of the wood dragon I have to say there's a little bit of like oh it's a dragon like is that something I should be scared of <laughs> right coming in and then the other side of it is you say that like purpose over profit it's like okay can we now flow with this message because a lot of our audience are out there trying to bring this shift into it for many of them organizational and corporate life globally so does that mean it's going to get easier because because it's the dragon i'm kind of feeling there's still well, you know. let's look at let's just look at the elements, <laughs> right? Wood right. feeds fire. Fire oh. is the only element which is the new feng shui cycle, this fame, this this purpose over profit. But fire is the only element that needs feeding. Mm. Right? Otherwise it goes out. It has to be constantly fed. So it has to be constantly fed by our ability to take responsibility for change oh, and that. to keep feeding the change. Mm. Right. And of course, air, which is we are now in the age of air for about the next 200 years, elementally from a Western astrology point of view. And of course, this is Pluto in Aquarius. This is really sort of upstarting that. Mm. Um, sorry, I'm just going to turn that so because it's more pink. And basically, with that shift, so we've got this very volatile energy, this very revolutionary energy. Just to give you an idea, 1777 was the last um, Pluto in Aquarius transit. I mean, we've never lived through this as humans. Mm. Um, so these three things together with the wood feeding the fire and then the air fueling it all, oh, wow. this could get very kind of revolutionary and crazy. So it is very, very important that each of us knows what do I stand for? Mm. How, what is my resilience? What, what is the hill I'm prepared to stand, you know, to die on kind of thing. And you need to be very centered in one's core values and core ideological beliefs in order to be able to not get rocked because we are going to see, I mean, we've got 40 democratic elections globally this year. I mean, how is that possible? I mean, that's just an extraordinary fact in itself. Mm. And so in 1970, sorry, 1777, when the last transit happened, of course, that was a great period of revolution. We had the American Revolution. It's when the founding fathers built the, you know, wrote the constitution in 87. It, we had the French Revolution where the monarchy, which was given the, you know, this is what I mean about ideological changes. You know, that was the monarchy was given by the divine, by God. God put the king on the stage and nobody could do that. But then the people revolted and said, no, we're not having that anymore. We're having a shift. <laughs> um, and similarly, you know, and the Haitian people also had a revolution. It was also the time of the industrial revolution. We are going to see a technological and scientific revolution without a doubt. I mean, I would imagine in 20 years, we will not recognize the ways we live and work compared to now. But we also have to be mindful that, you know, we're not going to be suddenly, you know, whizzing off to mars and the moon for a weekend break you know booking it on airbnb or something <laughs> of that nature right we got it right. because the corruption of that shift is also changing so where sacred change makers in my opinion should be really focusing their energy is what are the moral and ethical questions that we really need to be looking at in order to create sustainable change 
for all, that works mm. for all across all sectors of society. Everything is out of control right now. Mm. You know, it's like our farming and food industry, our health industry, the military industrial complex, all of these things, you know, the false profit, as you say, it's just money, 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 stakeholders, shareholders. And there is, you know, nature doesn't work like that. Mm. Nature, there's time for growth. And then there's time to die off, there's time to rest, and then there's time to grow again, mm. right? We have to prune, you know, a tree grows best when it's pruned. A plant grows best when it is pruned, when they're cut back in order to really create strong growth. Things start to get really out of control if we just force the profit at all costs. So this is really deep and it's really big. Mm. And there mm. is a very powerful potent possibility for people that are working in this field of change making and these sacred change makers and on this transformation to have different conversations so what i would invite this audience is what are the conversations you want to be having this year that are going to really change the ideology the new conversations that perhaps we've not sat down and had before and we need to move out of this fear that if we go against the mainstream narrative if we dare to question the narrative that something bad's going to happen because that is how we've been trained over these last few years mm. we've been made to feel incredibly fearful we've been made to oh i better not actually say what i really think because maybe somebody's going to judge me or somebody's going to troll me on social media or i'm going to get cut down or i'm not going to get the business and so we've become scared to have those true conversations but the wood dragon is a wood is kind it's flexible, it's adaptable. Of all the dragons, right, the wood dragon is the kindest. So it's like, how can we have conversations with kindness? How can we bring kindness into the workplace, into the corporate table? How can we make, you know, Aquarius principles and ethics are about, you know, power for the people, you know, in response to the people or by the people for the people so how do we make this more democratic because you've you know we look at america look at the uk we've lost our democratic values mm. there is no democracy right now mm. it's like you're count you know we're in cancel culture aren't we you know it's like if you say the wrong thing or you don't if you're not agreeing with it it's like no cut them out or you're a mad conspiracy theorist or an anti-vaxxer or some other ridiculous title or in the UK, you know, the, there's only a sort of couple of playbooks, isn't it? You're either anti-Semite or you're, a, you know, sex right. pest, you know, it doesn't <laughs> matter what. It's just like, Jesus, if anyone even dares to have a different conversation, these are the things we need to change. But this, we can't wait for someone to do this. Sacred change makers need to be making this change and opening this safe, sacred space for these different conversations to come through. And this is really supported by the dragon. The dragon breathes fire, but it's a friendly dragon for each of us because it gives us the courage to go beyond. You know, the dragon favors the brave. So if you're going to just try and keep quiet and like, oh, well, I need to pay the bills and I don't really want to you know, lose my home and I don't want to lose my standing in society, then probably the dragon will kick your butt, to be honest. But if you're prepared <laughs> to go, no. This is what I stand for, and this is the conversations we need to be having, and these are the new premises by which we need to speak to a more equal society for all, then the dragon will actually support you. So great wealth can be created in a dragon year, but sustainable wealth. Mm. I mean, I know I've spoken to you about this before, Jane, but for me, it's just like, actually, if, if we just looked at all the issues 
uh, in society where we have basically been extractive, consumptive, um, you know, and sort of just stolen everything from the earth, in my opinion, <laughs> of like in terms of that, if we just turn the juggernaut round, there's just as much money to be made in repairing it all, renewing it all, you know, finding solutions to all the horrific plastic junk that we've made. I mean, now, even in the deepest Amazon, in the tiniest ant, you will find plastic. That alone is a horrific statistic. Yeah. And so the solutions, it's like, let's become solution focused. The dragon is like, come on, we need solutions here. Not let's stop focusing on the problems and find the solutions. So what's the ideology? What's the new thinking needed? What's the changes that each one of us needs to make internally that will allow us and bring in a new solution? Mm. So from that perspective, the, dra the dragon is generous. Yes, it's theory, but it's also generous and kind and it wants growth and it wants movement. It's not going to stay with the status quo. We've had the nice fluffy rabbit here. Just that was that was part <laughs> might not have felt very fluffy and rabbit like for many of us, but it was so right. But, you know, there's a lot of layering here. I mean, I find it, you know, I love astrology and I like looking at all these slopes and I'm like, wow, this is going to be world changing. But all we're going to as I say, it's not overnight. This this will see the seeds. So what are the seeds you are planting? What are the seeds that each one of the people listening to this, what are the deeper seeds of transformation and change that you would really love to see on the planet mm. that you want to plant and really support those dreams and be brave, be courageous, go beyond, speak up. And because we've lost our ability to debate. We used to debate things. Certainly in the, U the UK used to be pretty good at debating. I don't know what it was like in the States, but certainly in the UK, it was great for debating. And now we're in this situation where it's like, nope, if you're not, you know, down with the program, don't dare open your mouth. Mm. How does that, because it's in the debate, like the way of counsel in indigenous cultures, there is always the talking circle. So the chief might make the final decision, but every single member of the community gets a voice and the talking stick is passed. So when you are, you hold the talking stick, you have a clear voice and you can say what you like and you can speak your truth and it is deeply heard and then you pass it on and by every single person in that circle being held and heard with deep listening there is a new solution that the chief could never have come to on his own mm. and this is the thing you know we give our power away to oh well the government as i say will know or the oh, the doctor knows better than me well frankly in my in my opinion, <laughs> there's very few doctors that know better than our own selves. Like, you know, many of people listening here will have known, we know when there's something wrong with us. We know when we're not right. And then we have to try and persuade a doctor to listen to us, <laughs> you know, because it doesn't fit in with their 10 minute appointment or what <laughs> pill they can prescribe this week that they're being paid for. <laughs> right. You know, response self, we have lost our ability to take self response ability and that's where it starts and that's what the dragon says own your sovereign self own your ability to respond and come back into what do i need for my self-care my resilience to be able to walk in truth going forward mm. and what i'm hearing as you're speaking is and i really want to underline this for our listeners because i think it's so very important is you know you're you're speaking of knowing what you stand for, knowing the conversations you want to lead this year. And and I think, you know, a lot of our audience will be familiar with that. 
But I heard something else, something deeper, kind of just beneath the surface. And you you pointed to it a few times, which is this idea that it's not enough just to figure it out in your head, right? Figure out your purpose, yeah. figure out what you're taking a stand. You've actually got to live it, live into yes. it, embody these shifts and these changes, plant the seeds within yourself first. So like when you said, what are the conversations you want to lead? And this might just be me, but the first thing I thought was, well, what's the conversation I want to have with myself <laughs> first yeah, to get that's myself brilliant. ready? That's brilliant, Jane. <laughs> yeah, that is a brilliant, brilliant. I love it. Right. Indeed. What is the conversation? Because, of course, this is the other thing that um, the Aquarian energy will bring in is a shift in our consciousness. And this mm -hmm. is another. We've also become way too self-reliant on technology and i think we're going to get a few wake-up calls mm -hmm. in the next few years on this well because uranus is also the great awakener and it can awaken by massive lightning strikes of destruction we've got more solar flares we've all relied on the fact that the electricity is just going to be there even though it's an extractive you know possibility and that the internet will just be there because we want it to be and we don't consider what if it all just got turned off tomorrow and there will be times like this don't be under any illusion of that because that's kind of also part of this. Then how do we survive? Mm. Then what do we do? Then how are we networked? How do we create these also, yes, there is a global conversations to be had, but really it's coming from small localized decentralized hubs that connect to other hubs. And we need a much better, rather than a sort of top down spreading all over, we need like the hive mind of these, all these like nodal points that connect to each other. And those nodal points need to be self-referential in terms of, yes, what is the change I need? You know, who do I need to be to see the change I want in the world? Because it's no good just dream. It's like, oh, I want that to change. I want it to shift. Well, who do I need to be to create that? Where's my level of conscious, my inner consciousness? What I, what have I got to become? How have mm. I got to act, speak, think in order for that change to be created? Mm. Yeah, because that, that creates a level of coherence, doesn't it, in the energy yeah. that exactly. can then be reflected back. So I know, you know, in my own journey, that's been something that, I think, you know, I've always known about it in my head, but I would say in truth, it's been a slow kind of process of practice and embodiment to actually start to live what I believe, which is interesting for me. It's not like it's just automatically when I when I knew that sacred change makers was something that was really important to me. I didn't just it's like I didn't mm. become it overnight. It's like I'm still I still feel like I've got my training wheels on. I still feel like I'm learning and practicing in every moment because it's not like you can just like you're talking about the the, the transitions we're going through. And we all know as change makers, you know, what we call quick and dirty changes aren't sustainable. So it's yeah. about how do we make those small incremental shifts that accumulate over time so that we're really becoming like, and really diving into what it means to be human, perhaps in a better way than, because I don't know that we've ever really thought about it before, to be fair. <laughs> I No, I don't think we have either because because we're too busy just trying to survive mostly yes, yes <laughs> that's right exactly. and that's exactly. the pressure that's put on us that is the squeezing that i'm talking about so it is like being able to give ourselves space to take a step back mm. and not feel the pressure to really come into presence and just go and a good you know there's a couple of good 
sort of thoughts to have again from indigenous cultures is you know the indigenous prayer is how you know will the action i take today last for the next seven generations they don't think about today. We're very in the now, mm. uh, you know, like the quick and dirty. Will mm. you know? Yeah. Well, it'll make me a buck this week, so I don't have to worry about tomorrow, mm. right? Whereas the indigenous, like, well, if I make this decision, will it? How's it going to affect the next seven generations? Mm. My children and my children's children and my grandchildren, etc., etc., etc. That is a very powerful way to think. And the other. Um, sort of similar but different is again like Mac McCartney did this work with the children's fire it's a great book if anyone wants to read it and his um teaching from his indigenous teachers was like if you take the pledge to the children's fire that anything that you consider doing or bringing into being or creating a change in would it harm a child you know, because those are the things, whether we have children or not, I'm not a mother, but mm. it's still a very good ethos to live by because, you know, they are our future. Mm. We will pass and then it's the ones that come. What are we leaving? What legacy are we leaving for them unless we change our ways? One of the big positive things that I could really think that could come out of Aquarius, because Aquarius has a light and a dark side. You know, we think of, because we've got, you know, we're all under the, delusion <laughs> and it is a delusion <laughs> rather than even illusion of the you know the new age of aquarius we've all heard the you know the new age of aquarius and it's a myth mm. and what it is it's that because it's terrifying being a human at times you know we don't <laughs> live on a safe world right this is another thing this whole this is why it's good to contemplate death because you know, safety, which was the huge sort of psyops, in my opinion, or narrative of the pandemic, wasn't it? Like safety, keep your phone safe, everyone's got to be safe. It's not safe. The world is not safe. Full stop, get over it. It isn't. Yeah. It's a great big game. It's a big adventure. And, you know, what are we going to do? Stay in our little box trying to be safe? It's just, it doesn't work like that. So we have to get over that issue for a start. That's one big change and understanding because when we truly get into the nature of our consciousness, we really understand that we are eternal beings, that we are cellularly eternal. And when you can really experience and know that through your presence of each breath that really brings you into the now, then you don't need this delusion of safety or anything of that nature that is continuing because you really feel safe in the in that present moment and I was going to go somewhere else with that but it's kind of you know <laughs> moved out, well, moved out of my consciousness in that moment because I get very present <laughs> well you see I feel like you're calling us out of the matrix <laughs> a little bit I like, am it's time I really to hope so out. It's time to step out because, of course, it's more comfortable for us all to yes. stay, you know, where we feel, you know. And, and I, I, it's funny because even last year, I there was times where I was thinking and I was noticing in myself, you know, that statement that we say, no, better the devil, you know. And I was mm. looking at my own life and thinking, what am I putting up with here? Like, you know, literally, like, what is it that I'm just... Because resilience is an interesting word, but I think sometimes that can be a comfort zone too. It's like, oh yeah, that's just the way it is. So we'll just keep doing that because it's just the way it is. Whereas what I'm hearing is this year is the year for you to really contemplate, step out of your comfort zone, notice where you're in 
you know, the delusions, if you like, of what we've constructed mm. for human life and really look at, is it working? But not just for you and your life, but that in itself, that seven generations is yeah. an incredible thing to contemplate, I think. It really shifts everything. Yeah. Um, and I know one of the conversations I had in Ecuador was not, was not just around the future and the seven generations forward, but the ancestry, the lineage, yes, the, yes. where you come from, like what you know, how you've come into being, and and also what you're carrying gener generationally, whether that's positive or negative. But I just wonder if you could speak to that a little bit, because for me, I that's a very <laughs> interesting. You might not like what I have to say on that one. <laughs> no, go for it, Davina. Go for it. Well, because I mean that that's for me that is one of the big issues that we're dealing with now that basically most of the globe is governed by traumatized school traumatized <laughs> schoolboys that have never <laughs> dealt with their trauma right most of those have been through a right. system where they were deeply abused at some level as kids and never dealt with it and mm. hey here we are yeah. so there's big trauma response through the generations Mm. And that is something that we do have to address in that we do have to like pray into the bloodlines and clean the bloodlines in order. Yes, there is great power in on whose shoulders we stand. You know, we didn't suddenly turn up here alone. We do come from a great lineage and there, yes, there's those that are behind us and those in front of us. And we are somewhere in that timeline in the middle. Mm. So honoring of the ancestors, but also dealing with trauma. I think we do have to meet the trauma response, because otherwise it gets projected out. And again, so this whole idea, what this this ridiculous idea of safety, I mean, I, I just I'm so off the safety thing, <laughs> because it's so insane, because again, it's a trauma response. Most of us, you know, I, I don't know too many people that have had a happy childhood at its deepest level, whether that was actual physical, sexual, or just mental abuse, you know, or just think about, just think about the school system. Right. From a five years old, you know, yes, sir. No, sir. Um, I Can I go to the toilet? Can I actually relieve my <laughs> biological need that is perfectly normal and natural? No, I've got to ask permission for that. Look how we are contained. And this is the big shift with Aquarius. This is the choice we are being faced with humans, all of us listening to this and beyond this. This is the ripple. So Aquarius, the dark side of Aquarius is totalitarian control right mm -hmm. air is unemotional it is electricity it is the internet it's all of this it's surveillance it's all of that robotic ai technology that could you know cbdc centralized banking id computer says no you suddenly can't <laughs> feed your kids you right. suddenly can't get your mortgage or whatever it is yeah. computer says no here's the gate you can't move out of your 15 minute city whatever it is right or we choose to take self-responsibility back and go is that the world we want to create for the future generations or are we going to get it back localized and use the power of this technology which is phenomenal i'm not against it in any level right in order to go do good for humanity mm -hmm. to make things better for people to stop killing each other for a start, that would be a very good one. But again, that comes from if you've got a traumatized despot ruling <laughs> the scenario that has not dealt with their trauma response, they have a lot of internal conflict. So hence, they quite like war. And of course, you know, it perpetuates in that way. Mm -hmm. So we have to deal with that inner conflict. We have to deal. It's always an inside job. 
It has to start with the inner in order to see the external change. This, you know, we are living in a dream. How do we want to change the dream? This is a lucid dream. Think of it that way. Every, our reality is a lucid dream. And it is up to us to take responsibility to change the conversation, to change the thoughts, to change the belief system, to change the ideology in order for the dream to change. And we are really on a precipice of whether we are going to go into, you know, the sixth extinction or we have the chance to really turn this round and bring that new earth, that, that golden age that also the ancestors talk about, this age of potential of the golden age of the heart and the mind actually coming together one of the greatest analogies of that is in the work of ian mcgillchrist um the master in his emissary have you read that yes it's one of my favorites me too right mm -hmm. and it and it's and that's really it there's the answer there we need to give mastery back to the heart mm. because you know this is the difference between i mean many of your like um audience will know this the the conversation between the conscious and the unconscious mind the conscious mind is the bit that has free will and making the decisions but it's not terribly bright right whereas the unconscious cannot have free will doesn't make this but knows everything because it's processing all of that and when we come down and we come back to the mastery of the heart we come back to that inner wisdom our inner truth and we are going to have to get good at this because we are in the post-truth era the deep fake technology is going to become horrific, which also gives the powers that be a very good reason to lock us down even further. Oh, well, we're going to have to shut it all down because you can't believe anything anymore. Mm. So we'll have to make you safe. You'll hear that one come up again. <laughs> like, again, that flipping safety thing. You know, look how we've become nannified, you know, like, oh, you not you can't possibly keep yourself safe. We'll have to create all these rules to keep you safe for you. You know, God, bring me back to those good old days when it's like, you know, let out the house and no mobile phones and <laughs> come back before it's dark or I might send a, someone out to find you. God knows what you got up to for the last 12 hours, but hey, hope you had a good time. <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> right. Whereas now it's like, oh, my God, I can't let my child out. Can't, you know, that's too dangerous. They can't do anything anymore. I mean, it's, 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 it's absolute insanity. And this is, we need to understand how insane it's got. We just need to just, it's like, God, yeah, it's insane. Mm. Right. So, and to really deal with this in a different way. Yeah. So I'd love to play devil's advocate here oh, because I know at the front line, I, I hear quite a bit of this um, in different contexts, but what, what I'm getting at is um, I'd love to hear you speak to how, what you believe is possible, I think, because I do feel that in the culture that we live in today, it's very clear that we're within systems, but some of them are very powerful. Mm -hmm. And isn't it that we need to convince the people in power, like to really take notice of the conversation, for example, we're having today? Um, and is it possible, given that so many of us, I think, feel trapped within some level of system in some way that, you know, it really is possible for us to turn the ship around. You know, what would you say to that? Well, we are a system. We're a system of about 10 million cells that all, you know, if we're in balance and we're in a homeostatic state, we are pretty healthy and vital. That's actually what a human is at its most fundamental biological level. It's a system of cells. Mm. 
and those cells talk to each other and they communicate with each other and that as i say that keeps us well and it's like you know blood pressure goes up chemical gets released bring it down etc etc we have the in breath and the out breath so it's not that but you know we also have systemic problems right now we are poisoning we've poisoned our system and we've been poisoning our system through the traumatized generations. We can look at this many ways, right? We have had this poison system for some time. So we need to start purging the pollution of our systems. And I think that personally, I think it will come from each of us this time. This is a, this is a, this mm. is a, we have, you know, we've been, this saying has been going around for a long time, but there's a great deal of truth that, you know, everyone thinks the second coming. I mean, that's why Trump, God bless, <laughs> God bless his coyote, coyote trickster soul. Um, but that's why he got such ridiculous following is because it was like people saw him as the second Messiah because he was a pattern interrupter. You know, he, he was the reason he did is because he came in and he didn't, he had his own money. He didn't rely on the money. So it gave the, the people, the normal people, a chance of like, oh, wow, here's someone that could do it differently. I mean, of course, that's not the case because we all have to do it for ourselves. The second Messiah is in each of us, mm. right? We are our own guru. We changed the dream. One thought, one belief one system change at a time and my conversation with you changes a frequency this is already changed simply by this conversation right and the next person that has that conversation this is how it will work this time one conversation at a time mm -hmm. through the nodal networks and by really embodying that shift and that frequency it's a frequency shift so anything we do to raise our frequency to keep it because you know we can it's a choice we do have choice are we going to live in a frequency of fear or a frequency of love that's the choice are we going to live in a frequency of hate and judgment or kindness and cooperation choice whatever happens whatever we're faced with those are choices in how we respond so this is where we have to begin is in our response how are we responding to what is happening both internally and externally if we're coming from a overstressed terrified fearful place then we're not going to be very effective so the first thing is to come back to presence come back to now come back to the breath <sighs> just settle in it's like okay do i feel peaceful inside am i calm am i settled where's my frequency what can i focus on that's good you know where our attention goes our energy flows but we have to live that. And it's a moment by moment, breath by breath practice. There is much to take. You know, everything is set up to distract us. Everything is set up to take us out of presence, to take us out of our center, to find another problem to focus on rather than that. But the big shift that I truly believe that will happen, that will change all of it, is the um, scientific breakthrough of free energy. Mm. Because that will change the paradigm. And that is, per I mean, it already exists this the possibility for it already exists the technology already exists but it's just the the pluto the great sort of transformer that likes to dig in deep and will get the crap because of course all the free energy systems have been locked down a bit like you know the other things we've talked about they've not been allowed to come to the light because obviously there are some great vested interests in the in the um energy system right now and it's like oh no we can't possibly that but that 
I believe Pluto will purge that corruption to allow the possibility of free energy, which already the technology is here, but it's allowing the proliferation of that. And that's one of the things that I would really think will change the paradigm in the in the next 20 years if we can. And of course, in a sense, because we're going to have to allow that. This is my belief, because obviously with all of the proliferation of AI and technology and the biotech and everywhere we're going with more technology that does allow this incredible conversation we're having to take place. You know, I'm, I'm as I say, I'm not against it. It's part of our evolution that we come into this. It's the part of the shift of consciousness. But we also, rather than think that AI is going to think for us, we also have to understand that humans already have the capacity for empathy and telepathy. Right? We don't actually need the net note. We can do it for ourselves without that. It's like what psychic intuitive ability is all about. But free energy, because the system will break because we're using too much power. You know, all of this com computational quantum computing takes phenomenal amount of resource in terms of energy. So everyone that needs that free energy to come in, even to allow that to continue and for this to really, and that would equal, that would be a great equalizer and would make a massive difference to an awful lot of things. So that's what, that's my optimistic. I'm an optimist. <laughs> I truly believe, I truly believe we can do this. Love. Right. Mm. But I, but it has to be, we have to start talking to each other. We have to start gathering, collaborating, cooperating, having different conversations and getting together because when we are isolated as a single change maker on their own, it's too overwhelming. Mm. And then you just go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and hide under the duvet, eat a bar of chocolate, have another <laughs> glass of wine, whatever it is. Right? It's just like, whoa, no, 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 I can't deal with another day of that. It's all just yeah. too big. But when we start talking with each other and when we go, oh, yeah, I know someone. Oh, yeah, come on, we can do that together. And then just a small hub, a small, you know, never, ever, ever underestimate the power of change that can be created with a very small group of people. 100 monkey syndrome, the tipping point, doesn't take actually a great number. How do you think the powers that be that keep, there's not many of them, but they seem to be doing a very good job right now at keeping all of this, keeping it all in control. They're doing that. So it's like, hello, just reverse that, reverse that. And there's your answer. I'm also hearing that, and I can't remember who said this, but somebody, some futurist said this, that the future is collaborative right yes and I'm hearing that in your conversation because of course we're coming from a place of almost hyper individualism yes. where we've really kind of and I think this is what's given rise to the loneliness epidemic you know mm -hmm. and the fact that mm -hmm. we have all these mental health issues now yes. in society that I certainly don't remember from my my childhood years and so it's like we've we've kind of we're in a different space now so do we see that do you see that shifting as well this year is that we're starting to move into understanding the benefit of like you say the networks not just the technological ones but the relationships in our lives everything is everything is relationship mm. it's very interesting like we from a shamanic point of view right uh, everything's about power but, and all of life is about power, but from the 3D reality, just to give it a kind of context, the power, we see power as power over dominion. But from a shamanic point of view, it's always power is relationship with. So the shaman can change the weather because of his relationship with the wind and the rain and the clouds, because he has those conversations daily. They're like his friends. 
right? And so then when he needs, you know, the rain for the crops, he can call and say, oh, winds of the west, please come. I need you, friends. So it's all about relationships. So it's what is your relationship with life? What is your relationship? Because all of our cells in our body, we've just spoken about that. Everything is in relationship. But there's no one cell that is more powerful right. than another. Right. right? You know, we need all of them to work together to give us a coherence. And that is where the system element is worked. Every part of the system needs to work. We have a very you know, excuse my French, F system right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, you know, on all the systems are pretty, so it's like, come on, where is the solution? Where do we start to create the systemic, and it comes through relationship. But again, it's coming back to how do we open these conversations? How do we have these conversations with kindness? Because we've become very judgmental of each other, very opinionated. And, you know, that is the keyboard warrior sort of, you know, the trolling and all of those horrific side because people are not face to face. Mm. I think if you're in a room with another human being, there is more ability to be able to find the empathy or the compassion or to be able to hear each other. So we have to learn deep listening. Mm. We have to be able to hear another soul. We don't have to agree with them. It's not about finding agreement, but it's like in the two, you know, every argument is always two sides of the same coin, the yin and the yang, the in-breath, the out-breath. We live in the world of duality. That's why I love um, um, Marion Williamson, who's, um, well, desperately trying to run as a Democratic candidate, but under very, <laughs> very inauspicious circumstances. I mean, um, but it's like, you know, she says, yeah, by all means, have a war cabinet. But if you're going to have a war cabinet, we need a cabinet for peace. Brilliant. What a flipping, wonderful concept. And that's what I'm talking about. Mm. You know, if, if we have something like the sickness service, we also actually need a health service <laughs> that is genuinely like, look how, look how alternative, look how, right? If you choose to go down, I mean, I um, have a situation at the moment where um, somebody dear to me is dealing with, you know, very difficult stage four cancer. Now the NHS, the, that has just given up on them, right? Because they've just said, I'll oh, go home and die. So of course they're going an alternative route, but of course, if you go to an alternative route, a, it's not considered effective and it costs a fortune. That person then can't afford to look at anything different. That's how messed up it is. Why are both those things not side by side? Why is acupuncture not allowed in the hospital along with all the other things, mm. for example? This is, this is, these are the conversations, new relationships. Why are we always othering? This yeah. is, this is the, you know, this awful sort of, we've come into the myth of separation and we need to come recreate the myth of collaboration and cooperation. Mm. Beautifully said. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So let me ask you, Davina, you know, what, what is your work in service of? Do you have a vision of a future that you'd like to contribute to? Yes, I have. A, I, I do, actually. Um, it's, it's pretty Shangri-La, I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I would expect a, nothing less. <laughs> yeah, po possibly has a few less creepy, crawly, bitey insects in my Shangri-La, though. I'll also be honest. <laughs> no, but it is where we grow our own food that we take responsibility for our health and i do believe that life needs to be much simpler more collaborative where we you know i think the kogi vision is the closest to mine i love the kogi vision 
And the Kogis are um, the indigenous tribe of the Sierra Nevada. And they came out um, to speak. They call themselves the Older Brothers. And they, I don't know if you know anything about mm, them. No, I don't. No. So they are. They came out in the, there was a documentary on them in the BBC in the 90s. And it was only the 90s, but it's dreadful because it really is one of those awful British um, <laughs> presenters going, oh, look. Here we have an indigenous person. <laughs> Look how they talk. You know, it's, really, it's dreadful. But putting that aside, <laughs> when you get into the cosmology, it's beautiful. And they basically went and taught. They they came out and they could see the their area, the Sierra Nevada, degrading because of what the little brothers, as they call all of us, were doing and polluting the atmosphere. And their cosmology is that originally there was the primordial soup, and from that came nature the trees, the green beings, all the plants and the flora and the fauna and everything of that nature. And that was all sort of proliferating beautifully everywhere. But of course, then it kind of got out a bit out of control and everything like that. So then all the birds and the insects and the animals and the beasts and everything came in to fertilize and create pollination. And so it could be in relationship and get moved around because nature in its growing is quite static. So it needed something moving. And then that was all going very well but then of course the animals needed a bit of husbandry and help and all the rest of it so the humans actually came into that mix simply to be the gardeners of the world mm. so my vision is that we become the gardeners of gaia mm. and that doesn't mean that we can't be in an office that we can't write our books that we can't you know it doesn't mean we have to actually be with a spade in the earth not everyone is going to follow that but that our that we create beauty that is what the gift of humans is to create beauty. Mm. Right? So the gardeners of Gaia is my vision. Mm. I love that. I really do. Oh my gosh. Because, you know, for me, beauty is the language of the soul. That's what it yes. feels like. Exactly. And that's where I think we've gone so far astray. It's like we've mm. lost our soul in modern society. I love that, Davina. And I'm noticing the time here and realizing I need to ask you our final question. Yes. But I am loving this conversation because it feels so vibrant and alive uh, for me. And I know it will for our mm. audience too. But let me ask you, if there's something that you would have liked to cover today or share with our audience, and perhaps it's just a few words of wisdom to leave our audience with, what might it be? Be brave. Be step brave. up speak out with kindness and love mm. let's make it a love let's make it the 60s we're in the <laughs> resonance of 1964 when the beatles came out with all you need is love love is all you need and again we we see it as soppy we see it as this mm. romantic chocolate box that's not love love is a verb of action love is a verb of power Love is a verb of loving this planet, loving ourselves, loving each other, loving it for seven generations to come. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for your, mm. oh, the way you speak to this is so, I don't know, it's pointed and yet it, it comes with kindness. I can hear that. Mm. And I just it comes with deep love. It does earth. come with deep love for the <laughs> earth. Yes. So yeah. thank you so much for stopping by and sharing your time with us today, Davina, because I just know so many people will have had so many insights. So thank you so much. It's been a deep pleasure, Jane. Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay, guys. Well, 
that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Now, before we go, I do want to remind you that all of the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And a big thank you to the members of the Sacred Changemakers Inner Circle, who are our podcast sponsors, and also our extended community, who are helping us make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. And if you're looking for a little more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that you have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. But for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time. Be bold, be courageous, just like Davina said. <laughs>